Uh, welcome to the Star Trek Review Podcast, Trek This Out. I'm your host, Bob, uh, and joining me on the bridge, as always, are a right bunch of motherfunkers. We have Lindsay. Hello. John. Hello. Andrea. Hello. It's okay. Hello. Hello, guys. Uh, and again, my technical helper is joining me, Morn. You right, Morn? Oh, that's not a triple. That's the pubics from my yearly sack trim. And yes, they do look like the colour of wet sand. And on this episode, we will be reviewing the new series of Star Trek Discovery Episode 2, Far From Home, giving our lights out of five, reading your feedback to the story, putting this week's red shirt and do some random shit along the way. Anyway, we're going to tell the spore drive and let's jump into this. Before we crack on, let's find out if anything's been going on. Uh, in the world, well, the world of Star Trek anyway, because it's a, le- a lot less depressing uh, than what is going on in the world. Uh, Lindsay, have you got any news for us at all? I do. Uh, this week was the grand unveiling of the statue of Catherine Janeway in her future birthplace of Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, so there is now a statue in Bloomington, Indiana that says, this is the future birthplace of Catherine Janeway. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> haven't, they done, haven't they done that for Kirk as well somewhere? Yeah, oh, the, I think, yeah, there's quite a few of them. Um, I think the French are being awkward about Labar, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so there is now like a little like Janeway standing there looking like pretty swank. I was confused. Um, I was confused when you said that. Now, now, now it's made sense. That's a really lovely idea. Yeah, so it was um, all crowdfunded, but the local community seems to have been really receptive about it. Yeah. Obviously, the unveiling was virtual because everything is virtual at the moment but Kate Mulgrew was there and she was lovely and she was excited about it and now oh, every Trekkie I know on Twitter is like we need to go to Bloomington, Indiana that's cool no, no, it's so, uh, that's is that a life size statue or just um, I don't think it's quite life size it's basically like a bust on a plinth oh right um, but it's pretty good and it, the way they've treated it looks really lovely so it's kind of bronzed I think um, but they've like fired it to different degrees so like you get the differentiation in like the colour of our uniform like the, mm-hmm. the shoulders and stuff so i think it's because there are some pretty dodge um, statues out there and i think this one's pretty sound yeah well, she's not done any slavery has she i mean just checking before <laughs> we're going well, there, there is always the question of two vex and uh, also what happened with the crew of the equinox but i'm gonna come out on her side or the end uh, of yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i think uh, what, why do i think there's gonna be a justice for two vex like Protest taking place inside that statue at some point very soon. Well, I think we just, I think, yeah, I think we just, uh, just started a hashtag right there. Uh, <laughs> well, that's lovely. Any more news, Lindsay, from you? Yeah, no, I think that's about it. Andrea, have you got anything? Um, as far as I'm aware, Strange New Worlds is timetable to start shooting in February. Um, yes. I, I think that's um, sort of conditions permitting. Um, that's like pretty much ready to go. Um, and just sort of injured because I, I normally do convention watch and obviously conventions aren't happening. Um, the, the, I've, I've sort of lunged from, from very happy faces to very melancholy faces because everyone's sharing their um, sort of destination Star Trek memories over the last kind of week from the last couple of years. So it's been quite nice to kind of relive some of those moments. I think people are kind of hoping that next year it is going to happen. Um, and also on that note, um, Star Trek Las Vegas, as we know it, is no more. 
Um, I think it's Creation Entertainment had the license for it, and I think that's expired now. So whatever is going to happen there is going to look slightly different, I think. Um, I think it's going to be organised slightly differently. People still seem to think there is going to be a a Las Vegas Star Trek convention, but I think the the old model, the sort of the one that people have kind of been to and and talk about is kind of no more. Um, So watch this space to see what happens with that. What it happens did seem in Vegas stays of... in Vegas, though, doesn't it? Well, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> it also seemed to be like the epitome of the. Um... Oh, what do I mean? Out, the in- industry out. run. The epi- the epitome somebody's industry... cruising for a bruising, and I don't know whether it was Bob or John there. So I'm... <laughs> I have not done anything. Uh, what do you mean? Like, is, it more um, of a, is it more of like a sort of industrial, like big industry thing rather than like a yeah, nice. Yeah, like thing, an industrial yeah. convention as opposed to like a fan run convention. So, like. Yeah. Galley one might be considered as like the epitome of sort of fan run conventions mm. in, in sci-fi um, and Star Trek Las, Va- Las Vegas just seemed to be like so commercialised, there we go, that's the word I was looking commercialized, for, commercialised yeah. Well, yeah it's Vegas run it so of course it's going to be well, weirdly though I always looked at like the ticket price for Star Trek Las Vegas is quite high um, it's like a hefty price tag but actually like the tickets for like something like Destination Star Trek are really cheap but everything is an add-on. Literally, yeah. like 90% of talks is like an extra pay for a ticket. Like, yeah. it, like whereas I fe- always felt like it was a bit like you bought a package there, so yeah. you kind of you knew what you were going to spend. Whereas, like, I find like conventions are a bit of a money pit. Um, Oh no, they are. I mean, it used to be with Doctor Who. I've always done about it for, for years. You know, in the nineties, whatever you go, when it wasn't on telly, and you'd be like forty quid, and you get access to everything. You know, the the, the autographs, the works. But now it's it's a cash cow. But they are fun, aren't they? Because we went to Vops, okay, and that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic over there. We had a great expensive time. though, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. demand, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's always used at conventions, though. John, I think you and I should have like an anti-convention. Those guys can go to whatever they fancy, and you and I can go to a pub and drink a lot of booze. Oh, it's a You could still do that at a convention. Do the guests at anti-conventions have to be aunties? (laughs) (laughs) Or can uncles come as well? Because that seems quite discriminatory to me. Oh, okay. I apologise. And John can't be an auntie. Well, I suppose you can. You can do what you want nowadays, can't you? Yeah, you can't be uh, an auntie. Yeah, I, pres- I presume you two have got nothing else. Sucky's got his hand up. Have we mentioned that uh, Discovery Season 4 has uh, been booked to start filming in November? Oh, no, we've not, but that's excellent. So, so Kurtzman hasn't been sacked as, again, which is, like, nice. So I feel uh, like um, we should start, like, Kurtzman a lot. <laughs> Like, uh, it's, you know, it's week three of season three and Kurtzman has been sacked again but it turns out he's still working so it's fine there we go Sucky your hand up uh, yes somewhat uh, within Royal Mile Royal Mile have released oh, some yes. stamps uh, oh, yeah. with uh, Star Trek uh, people certain, right, they so they've got <laughs> if I can get it up here they've got Kirk Picard Cisco Janeway uh What's Scott Bakula's character's name? Archer. Archer. Uh, Jason Isaacs is on there, Lorca. And then you've got uh, Spock, Diana Troy, Bashir, Reed, Michael Burnham and Ash Why the fuck would you want Reed in there, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> because he's a British actor. <laughs> right, well, no, no, that, that for some reason is a bit strange. Because they're not... All, all the, the, the ones that they're releasing, tw- uh, which are going to be like for the stamps to the public as a, a proper set 
is the 12 stamps, which includes Reed. But they're also releasing a special, uh, another another set of six stamps, but which are just proper British actors who have appeared in Star Trek, which includes like Malcolm McDowell, uh, right. David Warner, Ali Sieve, Tom Hardy, and two others that I don't recognise. Racist stamps, lovely. So, um, so basically, <laughs> like, you don't need to produce a stamp for me to attempt to lick Jason Mars' face. So, well, it's not you're going to be licking the back of his head, aren't you? You're stamp, going to be licking so. the back. I don't think she's that bothered which part of him he licks. <laughs> <she licks. laughs> I'm, I'm going to be terribly boring. I say I suspect they're probably pre-stickied. Oh, oh, oh. yes, they are. Oh, they're taking the fun out of everything. I know. So I, ha- I have, for the first time in my life, I have bought Star Trek stamps. Um, oh, you have so bought I, them. I try, I try and avoid buying stuff because as soon as I start buying stuff to do with fandom, I end up with a lot of stuff very quickly. Um, so I have bought stamps that I can actually use. So like every letter I send for the next six months is gonna get like a random Star Trek stamp on it. Because um, they're they're pretty much the same price as regular stamps. Yeah, they are. If you ignore the fact I've had to pay for them to be posted to me. How how many letters do you write a year? Quite a lot at the moment. Are you write... a, you're a correspondent kind of person. I'm not normally, but I I send I send out quite a lot at the moment. So I'm doing maybe eight a month. Oh nice. Um, yeah. Um, so I love letters. Just proper letters. Writing it's a letter is like. Yeah. Lindsay is the only person in probably the last like year, apart from like a Christmas card or something, who has sent me like actual handwritten mail, and it was very very nice. Oh bless, thank you. And I think it's an underrated medium. I think we should bring it back. Well, I like I, I, like, I like that she's done that, but uh, it does point out the the glaring thing, which is you're not written fuck all to me, have you, Lindsay? <laughs> I'm not shocked in the slightest. It's okay. Yes, uh, some more news. Uh, right. You know, because Mandalorian's starting this week as well, or is it next week? Yeah, end of this week. Right. And you know how it's filmed with all the VR wall, so they can bring external locations like in within within a studio. Well, apparently Star Trek TV productions are going to be doing exactly the same. Uh, so for next season, all this tech that um, the Mandalorian will be using... Star Trek TV productions will be using that on their TV shows as well. I mean, Kurtzman did mention that they're going to be doing it's like almost like a military operation. Uh, there'd be like pods of people so they can work and sort of meet COVID expectations. And it sounds like it's a massive job, and I'm not, I'm not sort of envious of him at all. He's, he's, done, he's done as a good service so far. Uh, right, if there's now else, I'm going to stick in a, a little snippet from this week's episode, Far From Home, uh, and then we'll get our our first vibe. Back to stations! Lieutenant Denver? Everyone, everyone, back to stations now! Feels like my head is in a vice. Tidal forces from the wormhole, like G-forces, but nastier. Must have knocked us all out including my damn back. Commander, I can't get control. Shields are collapsing. Injuries on multiple decks. Sensors are not responding, sir. Critical systems failing. Dagnar? Sir, discovery is unresponsive. Rerouting to gain control. Brace! 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 Exciting clip there. 
So, uh, second episode of Star Trek Discovery Far From Home. Uh, I want to get a vibe of what we're all thinking. Um, I'll, I'll start. Um, I, I, on my first watch, I literally said in my head, and I'm all via WhatsApp to you lot, this is the best Star Trek episode ever. Um, I think I've come down slightly from there. I've watched it three times now. Short <laughs> um, so horror. But I just, I, just, I, just, I just loved it. It was like a proper episode of Star Trek. It, it was the crew. No, but I don't. I don't mean this in a bad way. But no, Burnham. So you, you give everyone the chance to do their bit and all that. And I just thought, yeah, this is proper Star Trek, discovering new stuff and all that. And it was just great. So that's yeah, very positive for me. But not the best episode of Star Trek ever. I'd go with uh, Andrea. I really liked it. I, I don't know what I'm going to say this week because I've got no notes because I just sat back. I watched it the first time and I just sat back and enjoyed it because that's how I always watch it the first time. Yeah. And I sat down on my notepad and I just did the same again. I like wrote about three lines and I just like I just got sucked into it and just watched it again. Um, and I quite liked the fact that I wasn't kind of constantly looking like what's going to happen for the rest of the series. Where's the little clues? I just enjoyed it as an episode. Um, and I think that's the first time I've just kind of kicked back with episode discovery and being able to watch it the way I've watched other series, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, definitely. It was good. So positive from you, uh, John. Yeah, I'd um, sort of, I would, there's words, words. <laughs> You've got <laughs> words. That's what you get from uh, me. You've got other people. I would agree with what Audrey said. To be, to be fair, it was... Um, and I'd agree partly with what you said, Bob, and that was a, an extremely enjoyable and absorbing episode of yeah. Star Trek. It was great. I think um, the fact that Burnham wasn't in it wasn't something um, that was uh, detracted from it, but it did, like you say, it allowed them to breathe and it allowed some storytelling, it allowed some characters to do their stuff. We caught base with everybody. I think we needed a full episode of Discovery coming into the scene yeah, and then you got you got Burnham, you've got one episode of her, and then you got an episode of this. Which I hope that they do a few more like these. I suspect they won't, but um, yeah, it's a very positive sort of reintroduction to disco, and I, and I loved it. Yeah, uh, Lindsay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Um, more than one person sent me a message going, "It's almost like they're writing this show for you," <laughs> um, because as somebody who loves a bit of angst. Um, and who particularly loves uh, Hugh Colbert? I uh, know Hugh Stamet. No, Paul, Paul Stamets and Hugh Colbert. There we go. Yeah. Um, and also really enjoys uh, Tignataro. Um, like that particular plot line, I just thought was immense. So yeah, I am also a fan. Right. So okay. Well, you know me. Last week I was missing the t- uh, the Discovery crew, mm. and I was, it, it was a lot. This week they came back with a bang, and it was fantastic. Because as you've all been saying. This gave, uh, with no more Burnham, that this gave the crew something to where uh, they were. They were the focus of the episode, and he brought out so many facets of them. Right, and I just think he was brilliant. And I, I just, we, I did enjoy this episode. Excellent. So this is top. Yeah, all positive. Brilliant. Uh, okay. Uh, well, before we get um, into our uh, review, a reviewing, a review, uh, a reviewing. Words, Bob. Words. What is it? What is it? We've we all lost the power of speech. Catchy. Before we get in depth, uh, we're going to put uh, one of our little segments in uh, called Discover Me, Discover You. Aha! Discover me, discover you. Aha! There is nothing else I'd rather do. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
Okay, so this is uh, this is a section where I just want you to get your know your host a little bit better. So I'm going to ask him each a question, uh, and hopefully it will uh, yeah, a bit of an introduction to you, find out a bit more about them. And John, I'm, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, so the question for you is: Your favourite trousers are involved in an extreme washing machine accident, and they're damaged beyond repair. What would you give or trade to have them brought back from pants heaven? Uh, this has happened to me when uh, some of, one of my favourite pair of jeans caught in the washing machine and ripped to shreds. Oh, devastating! During the spin cycle, so uh, I would have, I would have like happily sacrificed a family member to get one, get them back. So, <laughs> what, what, I'm going to say, yeah, they're all the same for me. I don't <laughs> think, yeah. just, just sacrifice a family member. That's what I, that's what I do yeah. to get them back. So that's how passionate John is about clothes, everybody. Yeah. That's 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 grand. Uh, Andrea, I'm going to come to you next. Uh, so you're interested in taking up fishing, okay? Is it, but you're a complete beginner and novice, and I don't know if you are or aren't. But you have to have the mindset of a, of a beginner and a novice. Who would you take to the tackle uh, to the tackle shop with you, so the shopkeep didn't have your pants down like a used car salesman? And why would you take them? Um, if I'm really genuinely going fishing, I have a colleague who used to run like a, a national youth fishing project, so it would wow. make a lot of sense to take Mick fishing with us. Um, but I think you should take Deb. Imagine that. But the thing is, though, that I think Andrea is fish. well capable of. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah it's fishing. Know. Fishing isn't for Deb because it involves sitting quietly for long periods <laughs> of time. Um, which yeah, but she'd be free at tackle shop. Um, I'm just going to take myself because I'm pretty sure it, yeah. if I handle myself out and about in the uh, the wild northeast, I can handle whoever like comes at me in a fishing shop. I mean, like people <laughs> in fishing shops aren't like notorious like molesters, are they? You're less just from somebody who's just watched quite a lot of Criminal Minds. <laughs> Turns out people who run fin- hush- oh. hunting oh, and fishing Lindsay, shops. Words. Quite often yeah. are quite creepy. Well, wow. I, I, I'm sure I'm like a massive generalisation. So, and so I'm, basically, I'm sorry. Uh, what we've discovered I'm have to though, describe that. Yeah, what I've got. Yeah, what we've discovered is though that, that John's very he loves his pants, his trousers. Sorry for for English listeners. Andrea can take care of herself now. Uh, Sucky, this one's for you. Okay. Um. So you've lived a long life because you're old as fuck, obviously. Um, what is the highest height you have fallen from uh, in metric metres, and what injuries did you obtain from this fall? Obtain. For, fallen from? Right, okay. The highest height I've fallen from is about 40 metres. Fuck off. I did a bungee jump when I was oh. back in the 30s. Thir- oh. um, back falling. in the, back in the 30s. Back when I was <laughs> about 20. <laughs> did a bungee jump back when I was about 20. And... Um, yeah, so I did it for McMillan Nurses, did a bungee jump, fell off of a, a crane, and you know uh, just bounced straight back up again. There you go. Do you know what? I was driving across town once, and I didn't know there was a bungee jump set up at the other end of town um, in the industrial park. So I was sitting up there in the traffic, and I saw this crane in the distance, and I just saw a figure fall from it. And I <laughs> fucking... Sh- Oh, it was awful. I thought somebody oh. died and then they fucking bounced up again. It was all right. Amazing. But, I mean, that's that's not really a fall. That's intentional, Sucky. I'm, I'm talking well, about, you, you know. You don't say whether it was intentional or not. No, I didn't. You're right. You're right. So, basically, what we discovered from Sucky, uh, he's a cocky little shit. 
Um, <laughs> I've just answered your what, question. What we can get, what we can get from this is your sh- your questions are very suspect, Bob. I think we knew that already. Yeah, yeah. I think they're all, it's all coming up to meaning to some a bit later on. I don't know what. It really isn't sucky. It's done. Really. Any hopes on what's Maybe I'm that. thinking too much. Uh, yeah, you are. Uh, right, Lindsay, finally, you. Uh, so, fire is hot. Atari's heart is cold. McDonald's bonus bag fries are tepid. Using these three examples of temperature, um, okay. what temperature would a nice hot orange cordial be after 13 minutes and 12 seconds? And I'll give you a clue. The water used to create the cordial is boiled and left for five, five minutes before entry into the glass. So you want, you know, boiling, put an extra five on, you've got your 30 minutes, 12 seconds. Which of the three temperature levels do you think that would be? I think I'm going to go for the fourth way, because I like to be difficult, and say... (laughs) Do you? (laughs) It is about the temperature of my rage 23 and a half hours after... I get very cross about how people could possibly think that a certain Satsuma-coloured twat face is a better choice than anybody as their president. Uh, yeah, that's a new temperature. Uh, we'll have to re- re- but anyway, it was the, the it was actually tepid. It was the uh, temperature uh, called McDonald's bag fries or tepid. Uh, but we'll take. I'm going to take that anyway because he is an absolute um, utter. Yeah. So anyway, I hope you've got to know a little bit more there. Um, I definitely have. Thank you very much indeed, guys. Anyway, I know this waffle. Let's get on with this review. Wow. Um, very positive from all of us around the table. But let's let's uh, not pick this apart, but have a you know obviously a big discussion about it because that's what we're here to do. Um, I just for me, like I said in the in the bit, this for me this is the first um, discovery episode really that is sort of representing Star Trek, as in true Star Trek, as in they've discovered thing they know nothing about. Um, in a, in a I, just, I don't know, it's just beautiful. I, I just, I can't, words, words escaping me because I loved it that much. So this is me on my first, on my first watch, really. But it, yeah, they're just discovering stuff that they've never seen before. You know, we, you know, weird ship repairs, you know, and stuff like that. You had, you had a sort of proper baddie and a space cowboy. You had all these sort of elements that just really, I was like, wow, this is just class. As Saru got... says, Saru says, first contact. Yeah, that's yeah. So he's he's happy with this sort of situation. It's it's what he went onto a science vessel for, basically. And we've also got like some classic Star Trek elements, like the captain or the um, temporary captain uh, taking themselves off on a dangerous mission without any security cover, because yep. that's what they do. Yeah, he did seem a little bit flipping cavalier, didn't he? Uh, he's like. He made no. He's like, yeah, he's going out there and doing the Star Trek thing, and he's doing the perfect captain, he's doing the perfect Federation captain. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but he, you've got to be a little bit pragmatic and take a, maybe a little bit of support, because Tilly, while she's been written a hundred times better than she was written last season, she's not exactly the most like fucking. I don't. I dare say she's not going to kick that much butt. Well, but I, think, I was going to say with Saru, I, I made a note here that I. I really think he's the best captain ever, but he's had his fear taken away, hasn't he? When he did it, when he had his pubic session or whatever it was, you know, with his heads. Well, I don't know, whatever he was. He went through puberty. Right, it was. Isn't it? Yeah, that one. Uh, so he has no fear, and that's what he has to maybe keep in check. No, yeah, but... I don't think he's got no fear. I think I think maybe that he's just, the fear is, is manageable now rather than it dominating his whole character. Yeah. Because he, he captains the shit out of the situation. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Amazing captain. And and he's like, he certainly doesn't show a lack of um, 
empathy towards anything that goes on. He's, he's, he's like very quickly on the way to becoming my favourite captain. He's but. my favourite captain right now, I think, John. I think so it's it's interesting, though, because like I, like I really enjoy through as well, and I am absolutely here for all of that. Um, but like Nan uh, stays on the ship and doesn't at least go, you should take some security. So she's like failed her like chief of security slash tactical officer basic training right there. Um, and then when it all does go down, I was kind of waiting for Saru to like pull out some moves because yeah. we know he's A, strong and B, super fast. Yeah. And actually he stood there and watched it go down for a bit and then kind of did a little bit of whatevs. And I was like, I know you don't want to make him Superman. And we did get his moment with his like little <laughs> so fiery, cool. fiery things. The darts, yeah. yeah. With the darts, which is also reminiscent of the flower in which you are currently sitting. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was great. But I was like, I want like a horsey kick or like some super speed kind of like... Horse, horsey kick! <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got giant hooves! Yeah, I mean... Okay. <laughs> The thing he is, though, really getting those up in someone's chest. Oh my god! Yeah, the thing is, that's probably Saru right. Makes fucking hoof chesting, whatever, chest hoofing or whatever. Oh my god! When he's, when, he's, when, got, when to, he's got to say hoof when he does hoof, it. Right. Yeah, that's hoof. Yeah, hoof. We, we've seen him be super strong, and we've seen him be super fast. Just um, <laughs> seen hoof anyone in the chest though. Yeah, we want to see that, obviously. Well, we? well, he was pretty. Well, like when he fought Burnham on the crazy planet in season one. Did he hoof her? No, he didn't. Well, he, he was pretty far. Well, I, don't, I think he might have. I think I'll he did somebody. <laughs> it's okay. No, I was going to say, was when oh. Saroon made his decision to go out of the ship, he took Tilly with him instead of Narn, right? Because he knew this was probably going to be a first contact situation. Yes. Right? But it's going to be a situation where, well, judging from what the uh, the planet was, it's just a mining colony. It wasn't going to be a violent military complex. How, does, how did he know? How does he know? He doesn't know anything about it. That was the whole point. His first contact. What, till, he that... t- till he told him. Till he told him all these sort of things. It's just but a small settlement so. here, there, and everywhere. Look, look. He rocked in there. They rocked in there and had like blasters pointed at them. Like it was. Yeah, but how was he, uh, he going to know there were going to be blasters? Because he's got some reasonable got assumption bl- that he doesn't know what's did, going on. Sophie. Yeah, but then he's if he's in, when he's in fear, doesn't his uh, little. Projectors no, come out. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Do you not watch Discovery? <laughs> I did watch Discovery. He well, no longer uh, has. Well, I. Well, I don't actually remember. So here's an interesting question: Has he lost his ability to sense death? Yeah. So he has no fear. Yes. He, he doesn't have the tendrils or. The he, tendrils. No, I know he doesn't yeah. have gangrene. He's not, he's not lost his fear, but he's just lost his fear response thing. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he still can't sense death, does it? Well, he also he's logically his logic and you know. He's, he's presumably he can work stuff out on his own. Yeah. So it's just a little bit cavalier, and I think he lacked a little bit of pragmatism in there as well. Because even so, you've got to be slightly careful. It's all very well rocking up to somebody and saying, uh, "Hello there, um, we are we want to be friends." But if they don't want to be friends, you're fucked at that point, aren't you? So. But I do think I, I do think it was a lovely line though when Tilly and Siri were walking there, and you know, then she was saying you, you could have took so and so and so and so, and he just said I can't think of anyone to give the best first impression, yeah. you know, and I was like, yeah, because yeah, Tilly's it. awesome, you know what I mean? It, I mean? Absolutely, like I totally agreed, and that moment was lovely, and the scenery was beautiful, and they played it incredibly well. Um, the other thing that struck me was like he makes an absolutely really 
an impassioned speech, which is completely correct, which is like, yes, you know what? We don't know what is out there. Like, we don't. We don't know whether we've succeeded. We don't know when we are. But before we can get into any of that, we need to fix this. We need to fix this ship. At which point, he's like, sends them all out to like do like basic fixing the ship stuff. And the next scene, we see Tilly telling him all about what's going on outside the ship. I'm kind of like, you've just told people not to care about what's going on outside the ship. Well, yeah, but he's told everybody else not to, but he's still got yeah, to know. He's still yeah. got to know. Yeah. He's still uh, got to know. And also, at that point, everybody on the ship thinking about oh, what's going on. He needs them concentrating on what's happening in the ship. Mm. He can concentrate what's happening outside. Uh, uh, sorry, I was going to say there was some nice um, sort of simple plot lines as well going through this. You know, it's led to this sort of tension and things like that. So you had obviously them, Siri and Tilly going off on the mission um, and that kind of thing. You had the uh, Stamets and uh, Jet Reno. Um, uh, and I can't remember his name. Is it Hugh? Colbert. Colbert. Yeah, Colbert. And I thought, and I, like Lindsay, you said then. Um, I, I did write, write a note that I think that them that that relationship, or I think Stamets' relationship with particularly Jet Reno in this, and his husband. It's the first time I've really seen him and thought, yeah, that that they're. they're Fucking brilliant! It, um, it seems as it seems as though they've rewritten Cobra back to series one Cobra, yeah. and 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 it, I don't like the convenience of that. This uh, it's like a cut off. Like oh, I've decided I'm all right now, so we'll carry on. That feels a little bit like a narrative. Yeah, but he, he, do you th- don't you think, John, that maybe because he's just seen Stamets uh, uh, in a, such a bad situation, nearly killed, right? And he's had to put him in a coma. That he's just decided that's it. Yeah, I know, but so for I, me, I know, but the state of him at the end of last se- the state of him at last season, it's, yeah, it's you, a hell you, of a leap. You've you've got to, to a certain extent, you have to interpret what has happened off screen because we don't see it all. So you get at the end of season two, you get the pair of them saying goodbye. So they meet, and Paul has clearly got something to say, but Hugh's got something to say, and Hugh says the first, and he's like, well, "I'm going to the Enterprise." And there's that moment where you're like, "Is this a reconciliation?" And then it's not. Um, and then at the end of at the very end of season two, you get oh actually Hugh didn't leave, and that for me that really crucial moment where he's in sick bay and Paul comes in, and there is something in that moment where that relationship, he just goes, you know what I've made the right decision and I should be here, and everything that happens in this episode, the pair of them are are almost slightly giddy, because they're still riding that kind of emotional. Uh- Oh, I mean, wait, yeah. actually, no, I'm right, and I should be here, and this is okay. And he's going, oh, actually, no, you are still here, and it's okay. Because the mean, whole thing I, is slightly silly. I was going to say one thing, and it's not, but there's no there's no time spent It's from the end of season two into season three. Um, and for me, not like Jump, I, I really enjoyed that relationship coming back. And he and Hugh, towards the end, or Colbert, toward, towards the end of last season, was getting better. Not to the point, you know, where he was back to season one. But I think he's better than season one. Um, you know, I, I just kind of love that relationship. I didn't sort of think back to that element of it, but it was just nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy that this is the state of their relationship now because yeah, it, was yeah. prefer- it is preferable to the yeah. antagonism between them. But I just thought I just felt it a jarring to be going back that way. But I I can accept it. I'm moved on. I've moved on already. I'm fine. <laughs> to be fair, for me, the key will be what happens in the next few episodes. Because like, if we just ignore the fact that anything has happened and they just it goes back to being like a, an ex plot that they are in fact married to each other and occasionally there's like a little chat. Like I will be frustrated by that because. No. I think, I think we I think we need to continue to build on that. Yeah, and it's a strong relationship. It's a, you know a gay relationship, and that that's a massive and positive thing. 
um, you know, to have in any TV show. So well, it's it's arguably the healthiest relationship we've had in Discovery to date. Oh yeah, because we had uh, Burnham and uh, Vok. Well, I think Gianna <laughs> Troy and Troy and Worf. But yeah, no, no, cool. Um, Sucky, you like you were going to say something? No. Cool. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Then we'll take we'll take a little moment uh, to have a little break. Uh, we're going to uh, we're passing uh, the planet Vincent basement one. Uh, so we'll beam down there to uh, a dingy little basement, which apparently may or may not have Prime Locker in there. And we're going to speak to Vin. Welcome to the planet Vincent, basement one. <laughs> oh, here we are, this dank cold basement yet again. But it's worth it because we're going to get some Vinisms from Andrea. Hit us with it, Vin. Right, um, first thing I'm going to take issue with is all this, it's a bit cold outside bollocks, right? That's like, <laughs> oh, if I go outside there, I'll die. I'm sorry, right, but lasses up here will be out in that in strappy sandals and a lipsy mini dress. Right? It doesn't look that for it. Like, you know, parasitic ice is not going to keep people up here in the house. So I think people in the future are just a little bit soft. Um, <laughs> there's no Geordies on Discovery, that's the problem. Uh, exactly. Like, there's, I did say, just and sort of on the Geordie thing, um, there was a guy who had had a photograph with LeVar Burton and he'd made him hold a sign saying, how are the lads? Um, I was like, did he get it? And he said, well, I explained it to him, but he gets it now. So um, if, if I am ever to meet him, um, I think I'm going to have to get him a Newcastle scarf, really, Anna. Um, <laughs> other thing I want to pick up on, right, is, you know, the hazmat, like, who was, like, mopping up the guts, oh, right? Yeah, Gene. Was he called Gene for a reason? Yeah. And like, Clearly. I, is, is like, is there going to be like some yeah. kind of massive conspiracy theory that like that was like basically like shitting on the grave of Gene Roddenberry or something? Because I, I can totally see that one coming. I, I can see some like some trouble brewing among certain sections. Um, and I quite like that the follow up line was, "I've forgotten that already." Um, but I don't know if if that was um, that was super intentional. But it, I never, I never it, thought it, of that. You know, intentional never, to me. I never yeah, but, that, but yeah. also remember. You've got, I think, Eugene Roddenberry is part one of the executive producers. So if there's anything going to be dissing his dad, right, I think he would be uh, putting putting it in, don't you think? It is what it is, isn't it? It's fucking funny, though, when you've said that. Oh, it yeah. is literally that it, it is just it's gonna like I, I haven't seen it erupting and I was quite surprised because I massively expect that to be like become a thing like about how like discovery like yeah, you might have said it off Andrea now and stuff and I just thought like. I also felt sorry for that little hazmat man because, like, I wouldn't really want to go in there and, like, shoot those guts up into that bucket. You think it's a machine to do that in the future, like, rather than just, like, kind of clean up on aisle three. Um, but, yeah, I felt sorry that he got his name forgotten as well because, like, I wouldn't want to do that job. So I totally am I'm, I'm sending him some love and hugs because I felt sorry for him. I mean, I, I, I personally uh, thought Reno was out of fucking order. She's got a job to do, and she's a member of staff. You don't fucking act like a cunt to the waiters, do you? (laughs) That's basically what she's doing. She is, like, extremely antagonistic. It was a shitty thing to do, and I hated it. Fair enough. She's, uh, she's lost. Do you know what? If like a hazmat guy had turned around and went, "Oh, get fucked, you bitch," I think she'd have took it. So, well, she'd have had to because she was the one that started it. Yeah, (laughs) you can take it, like I reckon, Jet Reno. Uh, have you have you got any more any, any more vins? 
do you know what? It was quite a um, quite a clean episode. Um, I, I don't have any any pervy commentary except the little previously was just like a little bit of a reminder of how much of a, a delicious biscuit Anson Mount is, and I miss him, and I'm looking forward to Strange New Worlds. Um, and I did delicious enjoy the traditional Star Trek. Let's fling ourselves around like we're having like lots of ecstasy at a rave during the crash scene. Um, <laughs> Because there, there was definitely, there was, I'm sure there was some like like jazz hands in that. It was like exceptional, like flinging yourself around. Um, but I, I was very well behaved this week. So well, well wait till book comes back next week. Uh, I, I mean, also there, there was one where Jojo, George, uh, George, what, Jojo, Jojo. Have you watched this fucking show? We just don't do names. Jojo, Jojo, yeah. When she, when she's with Spoonface, uh, and then she sees Blinky Alien Man, and she takes him off to bag him. I thought that were quite funny. You know, yeah, See, she was... you, you thought she's going to bag him. I thought she's about to try and use him to try and yeah. get back to the mirror universe. That's exactly what I, I thought. I thought she was going to use him for some like nefarious purposes. She will want to turn she did, she, she did make some little like remark about like when she got shot that like that was just like foreplay. So like it, it's just adding to the whole like deviant vibe. Yeah. Uh, so I, really, I, like George, yeah. like the most basement character in the show. I thought she was going to go off and bang him. Any Marvin, <laughs> or can we beam back out this dank hole basement? I think you, you may escape. Excellent. Morn, beam us up. Back on the ships, let's get back on with this review. I've just um, had a thought. What's your thoughts, John? You know, uh, Linus can see in various spectrums that humans can't. Who? In fact. Linus, the, the one that Jojo was talking to, the alien guy. Oh, what, she wanted to bang? Yeah. But she didn't want to bang. I reckon, because presumably if she's mirror universe, her eyes will be f- slightly fucked, won't they? They will. So maybe she might try to use some of Linus-y stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, she's going to take like, went... his eye gloop and like put it in her eyes. Something like that, maybe. I don't know. You know, well, talking of Jojo, though, yes, I was going to come her, this. her dismissal of Section Thirty One may well be like voicing what the producers think, because like we were meant mm. to get season uh, Section Thirty One filming was meant to start in May, and it fucking didn't, and so they realised kind of that nobody wanted to watch it. So yeah, I think that that's a Quietly. little bit of commentary on the state of the producers' minds on this. I think as well. I mean, you could be right there, John. To be fair, because I think it's the mm. one that people are least, were always being least excited about when you know Strange yeah. Worlds about and Lord X and stuff. I think talking about that, talk, that bu- did, bureaucracy is no fun. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's all. Yeah. Mm. But she, she did, did not just want like a Michelle your like vehicle, and she stayed in Discovery, so they they kind of don't need it anymore. Is that the? Well, yeah, yeah. there was there was That's no what, one else really, was there, apart from Ash Tyler, but. You know, it's. I think, I think it's just something we didn't want, and now they know what we want or what people want. Yeah, most people yeah. now want a strange new worlds type yeah. of show where they go off and see. They don't want intrigue and no. you know subterfuge and all so, these spies and everything. Well, I, like, I, so I am. I am a big proponent of the fact that there are there is space in the Star Trek universe, particularly at the moment, for a lot of ah, different things. Nice but point. I would. I, what, I th- what I took from that, because I kind of had a similar kind of thought, but it was more about the fact that she was speaking about she wants to bounce between the two universes. Because mm. she was clearly going, like, there, there's fun to be had in being able to move freely between them. Now, clearly we don't have that yet. But A, she's hitting up Linus because he's got skills that she don't have. Or 
like abilities that she doesn't have um, and I just I wonder if what we're going to see is her trying to find a way to get back to the mirror universe and maybe what we'll get is section 31 show reimagined as a bit of a Georgiou romp even if it is like a single well, standalone I, series I, I, or like a, we she's also oh sorry sorry uh, she's also trying to get Bryce to come with her to do the communications maybe she might not be able to jump between the universes but she maybe get Bryce to help her to get the communications relay working whatever it was right? and then she'll be able to communicate with the other universe and see what's happening over there I mean, I'm not, was that I'm, not I'm, to do with Burnham though because she like her drive yeah, in this episode allegedly, primarily allegedly it could be both but at the same time she might if uh, John's uh, theory where he's, uh, she's using Linus to be able to uh, uh, do some nefarious uh, activity. She might also be trying to do, use Bryce to help her get the communications with the other universe. So I do love a good conspiracy theory. Um, I have another one. Is it find Prime Walker? Because I subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but I am pro that. Um, so at the very start, when they're all lying around on the floor... There was a lot of stuff on the floor, and I was kind of like, that looks a little bit like control-related stuff. Like, you know, all the little nanite th- Like, I just, like, I don't understand why there was all this random metallic stuff bouncing yep. on the floor. I just was gone through a warm, wormhole. Yeah. That, okay. but, like, but where do you get lots of tiny little bits of it's metallic just, stuff? It's just dust and dirt and stuff, isn't it? Oh, possibly. But, like, so... The other thing that there is clearly... Sorry, Suki, did you want to say a thing? No, I'm just going back to that metallic stuff. Right, remember the soup bit where Hazmat is clearing up the goop? Yeah. Did you see any metallic stuff on the floor? Who's just clearing up goop? Right, there was no... Mis- so Jean, that that metallic Jean, stuff has now <laughs> gone over the ship. So when Jean was sweeping up the ship... Remember last season, Control took over Arium? Yep. Now, who, which is the next person who has... Uh, attachments, yeah. which is so. So, so the, the part two of my strange. part two of the conspiracy theory involves. Yeah, so can you let so her did... finish your conspiracy first, mate? Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. No, no, you're apologize. fine. So obviously, so they they did they did a clear thing with Detmar, and I'm not sure of what they're going to do it with. Mm. Um, I'm not going to. Sh- I'm not sure of what they're going to do with it, but they've done something. Um, so whether that is she's got underlying something's going to go horribly wrong whether that's a maybe she's been affected by control because I was slightly deeply suspicious of the fact that they went to escape they went to the future to escape control and took control with them which yeah, didn't was, really seem su- like the most sensible plan he was supposedly down but like it's nanobots isn't it they're very very like, small you might have missed one or an entire floor cover of I must have, I did enjoy it but with um Sorry to distract from conspiracy theory. Just to completely change the subject, yeah? Well, no, no, it doesn't, actually, to be fair. Because, uh, Giorgio, right, I love the line from Tilly. She said, oh, you've got some Leland on your boot. Um, <laughs> I, did, I, that, I, I, I didn't I like, like that. that. I thought, <laughs> but I, I don't, I'm not... Oh, I've disappeared. I'm not a big fan of Giorgio, I'll be honest with you. Um, no, and, and, and I was like, oh, God, here she goes. She's just jarring. And Spoonface, who she hangs around with, I don't know what that one's called. Um, no. Who? No. no. 
Yeah, spoon fest. So th- them two were together. I'm not a big fan of them two, and because she, she's trying to be. You nappies. can't even remember their fucking names, Bob. So I can tell yeah. that. Well, anyway, John. Um, so I'm, I'm not a fan of that their, their, their sort of relationship, and I'm, I'm pleased that yeah, when Stam- um, Jet Reno and uh, Spoon, uh, not, yeah, Spoonface, whatever, says a uh, you know about. You, th- you think Giorgio's going to help someone? He's like, oh yeah. Oh, even did the chat with. I can't remember. Um, anyway. Uh, but I tell you what I did love I love the fact that Giorgio turned up in the fight scene when she's required yeah. I'm, I'm struggling I'd... to follow that thought, thought process. yeah that, that's got no logical fucking yeah. path from A to B there but not to worry what do you uh, mean if we're talking about Giorgio in the fight scene I don't like that head that breaking neck trope that they use because you can't break a fucking neck by doing that I, I, yeah, I did go that. You can get a really strong like, person to spend. His neck with her thighs. Like, you can get a really strong person to wrench a person's neck. It takes ages and it's very, very hard. And she's fucking. Don't be daft. It's just like. What do you mean? Right. That, was, that wasn't right. logic, logical so journey. This... It was a logical journey, by and, the way, what I just said. Well, yeah, I mean, you say that, but I'm ignoring it now. <laughs> the, the, thing, the other thing is when, like. So, Cal, the nice guy that's like meets Tilly and everybody at the start. He gets killed by that thing, that gun. And Giorgio, is this an example of actual physical plot armor? <laughs> I was thinking that he was stunning her as opposed to like, because because like Cal, not only did he yeah. get it full on, he got it full on and then they held it on. Yeah, yeah. They like little like, like almost like little, weren't they? Like I'm going to have you, but I'm going to take my time. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was very, but that that's my point. Like, so Saru was standing at the side watching that happen for some extended period of time. And I was like, Saru, do a thing. It's, no, it, I think I think the, the, the thing with Saru in that situation is that was literally uh, a fight where they're trying to defend himself, blah, 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 blah. And he steps in when she's just about to turn into being an executioner. But she's already gone down that route during the fight. Yeah. With breaking people's necks and things, so Saru should have stepped in a little bit earlier. Yeah, you're right. Well, he also like like they were like uh, he was like Tilly, go hide behind the bar so I can defend you. Except for I'm not going to defend you. I'm going to let our mirror universe freaky person do it was, all. Was Cal the cre- what crease face man? He looked he like one he fall- of them. Yeah. He just, looked like just, he fall. He looked like fall, fall asleep on a patterned pillar and he'd walk up and he'd have all them marks on his face. That him. He, he was the Did one. Did anyone that... else not feel like villain guy? Built up to be something like more than what walked in the door. Like I did feel he yeah. was a bit like he was a Space bit like cowboy, bargain yeah. bin Tim Roth, wasn't so, he? Like, so... I was, <laughs> like I was expecting I, I... something much more menacing, and like his I... mates were a bit crap as well. Like they got killed pretty easily. I, so, think to, I think to the miners he would have been intimidated and they had that so they built him up because they find him personally intimidating. But to the discovery of seeing a lot of fucking bad guys, yeah. He was nothing, was he? So, so, but, he, but here's the question. I think he is the only, and he may not be, but he is the only presumably human character we have seen in this show so far. Like in the... In he's the got, and he's got space spurs as well. Space spurs, space cowboy boots. Space spurs. Yeah, yeah, but no, like if we just rewind that, like everybody they have met so far has been clearly alien. Except him. What, you so, mean, yeah. He's, well, they, like the humans are the bad guys in this, I suspect. Well, yeah, they usually are. Um, <laughs> be brutally honest. Oh, well, um, not though, not in Star Trek. No, but I mean in real life. Uh, True fact. Yeah, but we're talking the, about like if we're going to pause and acknowledge that fact, because yeah, he walked in and he looked like a human cowboy. Now, I am 
not a massive fan of westerns, which is arguably possibly why I don't enjoy hey, Firefly hey, very much. Hey, no, I knew you were fucking going there. No, we're not having that. We're Firefly. Not, that's way Excuse going, me, all I have just said is that I do not enjoy it very much, which is no, I, I, perfectly I agree. opinion. I think the Western trope in sci-fi is a little bit fucking old by now, and it doesn't really make any sense. However, in lots of Star Trek of the past, uh, there are lots of scenes that involve bars where you're going in as sort of uh, Federation undercover kind of thing, and they're the kind of places they are. So that, that I think, was rather than uh, a narrative choice for this um, episode, was more of a, a callback to those things, I think. Yeah, and it did work quite well. Like, given that it was a, a trope that I'm not particularly interested in, I still did really enjoy it. If we can rewind momentarily to what we were talking about, which was Detmer. Which one's that? Um, so, the girl with the implant. Half a spoon girl. Spoon face. <clears throat> no, red eyes. No! Which one? I'm not sure. I think he just fucking watches review, reads reviews of it, and that's it. I know, I just, I like me nana, I can, I can never remember names. Okay, um, so Denver is the red-headed pilot with the wait, augmentation. Wait, no, it's half, half spoon face, right, That's cool. what I said. Yeah, oh, sorry, Sucky, yeah, sorry, I should listen. Okay, there is something slightly derogatory by, like, just coining random names for women, left, right and centre. It's, it's not, not, he's, he's, I said it's about not, the fella. It's Everyone. not just women, he's been doing it no. to every fucker, so it's, well, like gen- it's, it's still, non-gender like, specific. Do you However, do God thing? forbid, if, God forbid, if you should do it to a woman, Bob, because that might get you assumed that you're somehow having to go at all women there. Well done, mates. Don't do it. Boom faces. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. On, so getting back to the point which we were talking about three hours ago about Kayla Detmer, who was clearly injured and clearly not right afterwards. So there's either like her implant is about to fry and kill her. B, she has been infected by control. Or see, they're doing something which I think might be more interesting about the fact that she has clearly had several traumatic injuries before, which is why she's got the implant, because obviously she was part of the Shenzhou thing, um, and that they're going to maybe treat that like as a, a post-traumatic kind of thing, which I think could be really interesting, um, and might be more interesting as a, a choice than the other two, which... We've probably seen before. Let's be frank. I don't, I don't think any any of us want to see any of control of this season at all. No, it would feel like uh, God just drop it, mate. That kind of thing. Yeah, I I agree with Lindsay that when I first saw her, you know, getting a bit confused and just sitting there wondering what was going on and the slightly uh, blurred, uh, not blurred, uh, faded voices in the background, I think maybe she was suffering from PTSD. And as Lindsay says, I would love to see somebody within this universe having that sort of storyline. I, I, don't, I don't know that the PTSD thing would be any more than anybody else on the ship. Yeah, I understand. She's not suffered any more than anybody else. No, yeah, but that's not how that's not how these things work. No, I think no. But in terms of like, no, I know, I know, I know. Think about it. This fucking up. Hold on. Let me. No, no, no. Not going to make my fucking point now because you've I, I think the number of episodes they've got and the format of it, I think that if they're shown, it's either 
to throw you and think that it's going in a certain direction or there is some plot point to it. I don't think they'll bring back control because it's kind of the same storyline as last season, just done with a different face. It's all about the burn, isn't it, I think, this time? Well, I think you meant to think that, but I think it will have some... Is it some time travel type thing? Or I, I, I suspect there's going to be some kind of plot implication rather than, like, character, if you know what I mean. And yeah. That I think it's interesting because, like, there are various things that they have done which I think will have plot implications, but they've done quite cleverly. So... We know that so dilithium is an issue. Obviously, their standard warp engines run on dilithium, but they have got the spore drive. But also, the person they need to drive the spore drive has just had a fairly significant injury, which has subsequently been aggravated. Like, like for me, those are kind of interesting things that are kind of like that is the kind of arc building I like, and it's not oh, but is it Burnham's mother? Um, like for me, those are going to be interesting. The, cool. the the bit about Detmer that I'm trying to say she was in charge of the ship when it came down and she was trying to control it and then when she crash landed she was injured sent her to sick bay and while she was in sick bay she saw the amount of people that were either injured or as somebody walked past she uh, somebody had died and she this is all being going into her head so she maybe is being affected yeah, by but a also she had that she, tra- she had that trauma as well that, that made her ass spin first didn't it so but that, that it, the doctor had a look at it. He says, "Yeah, you're you're fine. You're good to go." No, no, but I, th- I think that for me that's the key. Like, if they were going to be like, "Oh, she crashed and now she's got PTSD," I'd be really cross because that's not really how it works. Because um, obviously you're shocked when something like that happens, but that's not the same as as kind of having an ongoing traumatic stress disorder. Um, whereas she has, however, been in several traumatic incidents that could result in that and we do need to be really careful because like joking aside john you're 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 i'm sure your point was really valid because never heard it though yeah i would really like to hear it because I, I feel bad that i talked well, over you I, I, all i would say all right like, all i was saying that is she could be have ptsd that's entirely viable yeah it's just very very weird that it only happens to her and we're not seeing any other thing referenced in any of the films any of the scenes that it, that doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense, like Vin says, like there is something going on that's less prosaic than PTSD. But but that but it could become a plot point. There, it's just a question of how they choose to use it. But I think yeah, we will but, all agree that there's clearly something going on, and we will see more of it in the future. Well, the the only thing she might be the only one experiences because it's a storyline uh, only dictates what the main characters do. And she's one of the main characters, so I mean, they ain't going to show PTSD for private hazmat or whatever. I just don't think it would be very interesting sci-fi. I just don't think it'd be very interesting. It'd be more interesting if some. It'd be more interesting. It'd be more interesting if the wormhole had some effect on her implant, because that's that's the link that we have. Went through the wormhole beforehand. She was perfectly normal. Detmer went through the wormhole, fell over, banged her head. The medical said it's not concussion. So what else is it? Well, it could, be, See, it, could be, really... it could be an Aryan thing. So just to have my tea, Penneth, with... Okay, so, sorry, sorry, uh, Aryan? Oh, whatever. Aryan. Fucking blue-head. <laughs> right, Zeke so... fucking Heil? What? <laughs> what? 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 Aryan. Aryan. just found our first We've just had Nazi Fucking hell. Anyway, Jesus. Aryan, blue-head, whatever. She, Aryan. She got... okay. Aryan, right, whatever. So... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, but, like, it could be another bit of an Aryan thing, couldn't it? Yeah, on. that's what I mean about the control yeah. infesting her. There was yeah. right, you don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to find out, but I just think yeah. it would be, 
you know, I'd be disappointed if story-wise it was because all of a sudden she's developed PTSD that hasn't shown anything prior to this. Okay, so, so here's, my, here's my counter to that, though, because for me, sci-fi is set in space and it asks big questions, but it's about people. I'm not saying it's not. I just think it's, it's if not. It's, if a show is about people, then I want people to have right. yeah, like, but it, it's about it's, and emotions. Yeah, I know, yeah. but it just makes it made no sense for it to be played like that. When you got, I mean, it just made no sense. I mean, they're not people. We will space see. People. We'll space, see. The space people. It's sci-fi, so it's got to have a sci-fi element to it. Anyway. I'm going to interject now with a little segment, and it's brand new, everybody. Um, oh, God. It, <laughs> uh, it's called Trek Out My Massive Needle Tips. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're, going to go, we're going to beam down to Lindsay's house, um, and we're going to get some tips on crochet for beginners. Check out my massive needle tips. A beginner's guide to crochet. Well, Lindsay, thank you for letting us beam down into your home. Uh, I know you're a keen. Not even fucking crochet. I know. It? I, I was about to say, it's going to be very beginnery because I've never crocheted in my life. What's all that weird knitting stuff you do on a towel or whatever it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He so doesn't know, he doesn't know words or names. Is cross stitch. Uh, Actually, she mentioned that to you, Bob, when she showed it before. You just didn't listen. All right. Well, I've done the theme show now, so um, <laughs> cool. Uh, well, so cross stitch then, Lindsay. Can you can you if our listeners, I think you know, I'd love to fucking smash a needle through some towel or whatever. Can you give them the, how we get started or beginner's guide to, to cross? So cross, here is cross. my master guide to cross stitch. Um, so I picked up my cross stitch for the first time in many, 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 many years this summer, um, and the reason that I have enjoyed it so much is I went. I don't want to do what anybody else wants me to do. I'm going to cross-stitch whatever the fuck I fancy. You fucking rebel. <laughs> so I would say my, my primary suggestion is pick something that you like and pick something small. So it doesn't take you three years to finish it, and therefore you feel like you've achieved something in a reasonable amount of time. Sucky's cock. Um, cool. Well, no, that's Can, really... Can I have to rename this segment? Well, you want sorry, Andrea? I have to rename that segment, because it's yeah. called cross-stitch. Can we call it so angry? <laughs> yes. Knit, yes, knit my problem. <laughs> He's a Everything guy. is my problem, though. That's part of the reason why I am so angry. Oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Um, brilliant. Well, thank you very much. I hope listeners have found that useful. If you want to do, we get into um, the crochet knitting thing. Wait, uh, cross stitch. Uh, that'll be lovely. Uh, anyway, we're going to be back to ship for more of this review. Mon, beam is up. Couldn't help noticing. I, I, I mean, I, I just did a little, a bit nosy, so I had a look around your house. I couldn't help notice there was a lot of small children appear to be selling uh, knockoff night tracksuits. Uh, that's a... Do you want a sweatshop, Lindsay? <laughs> is that what's happening, Lindsay? Yes, I am a gang master. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck right off. Just a Fuck right off. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, it's it's Although, although I, I am looking for a pair of tracksuits. Uh, you know, I'll have two pairs. Of course you are. Right. Of course you are. I'll do a load of walking. I'll send you a bit of dress later. I'll be measurements. I'll send you a shell suit, haven't you? It's okay. What's that? A shell suit. Yeah, back in the 80s I did, yeah. yeah. I love it, don't you? Um, an
uh, we were getting quite deep before, uh, which is good because that's what we're here to do. Uh, I'm going to now come to John to kick off with any notes or issues he wants to talk about. Uh, Tilly, I, I really, I really liked all of Tilly's stuff. This uh, there's one like exchange where she makes with um, uh, my name's Tilly and um, my name lacks authority. And the guy goes what? And she goes what? And that that was a fucking that was time that was perfect timing. Was that thing? We got a we got a what in the last episode with Burnham when she's there and there's things exploding and she's spaced out. She goes what? And I just love a perfectly timed what. That's always nice. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if you, what you thought of Tilly and that whole thing, but she was she just bossed it. She she's amazing. MVP. She's amazing. Amazing. And I love that. Like I say, I love that line from Saru. You know. Of course, she's been the person you wanted the first contact, and I loved the line uh, as well. When uh, what was it? When, when she was when she was talking to to to, to Giorgio, uh, until he went what what the uh, what yeah. the f, and it just cut, it cut out there. It was great. I just think Saru as well. Saru, I know we've popped on about him, but but Saru's management of the situation, particularly with Giorgio, it was just I mean, like I still I, I still think he's banging his head against a brick wall with her though, because she's going to go off and do something. Well, he might just fucking. And I think this. I think there's two universes that she likes popping between. Might be the Federation and the and the outside. I think she'll have her own irons in fires very very quickly, and they will start to. I, I don't know whether she'll become an antagonist, but I reckon there'll be. You know, I just I don't know about her. She's an agent of chaos. She's a in badder, this, isn't she? I yeah. Mean, they do they do that very well, isn't she's fickle, and I think that that is her benefit because she is kind of unpredictable and you could almost justify her doing almost anything at this point because she clearly has her own motivations and she clearly doesn't share them so actually it's quite depending on how they use her it could be quite interesting it was it was interesting i thought how um uh, i like the way saru defended not murdering everybody to to Giorgio and how she was kind of made to back down to that because Saru wasn't taking any shit from her, and that was good. It's like it's like we're almost setting up a um, a sort of antagonistic sort of relationship between Saru and Giorgio. That was happening all through the episode. I think that um, the the idea of of, of of Saru letting like Zara or whatever his name was, Zara, uh, let him leave, oh, get the name and, right, John, and here and have um, at least I fucking tried it, um, and and like handing him like Tilly's bag and stuff that guy is definitely going to show up in a few episodes yeah. time to fuck somebody over yep. I I th- oh, yeah we're definitely going to see him again the uh, the bit where you're going about uh, Saru and Georgia it's highlighted right at the end of the film, uh, the episode as well when they they'll say there's a ship coming they say enemy ship coming which then sort of puts Georgia on the on the on the offensive foot by looking daggers at uh, Saru saying look it's an enemy ship you should be doing you know putting your face uh, you're you, getting your weapons on target getting ready to blow it out of the sky but he doesn't he, he then yeah. makes his own decision and says look just open a channel and it's a good thing that he did otherwise he'd have blown, uh, might have destroyed uh, both himself and Burn I have to say for me that was a moment that felt like they played it too hard because I was like Saru is never just going to... Unless they were trying to play that against the new Saru, because who knows what the new Saru might do. Um, or the post-Farhari Saru, I should say. Um, because I was sitting there going, he's clearly not just going to open fire on this ship. Like, that didn't feel like it was ever a reasonable thing that he was just going to do. 
Do you know uh, Lower Decks? You know the guy, and I don't know his name, so don't fucking have a go at me, Bob, but the guy who was the uh, security officer on Lower Decks. Yeah, It feels very much like she's the old... She's always... Uh, Giorgio is always picking the opposite extreme reaction, and Saru is picking... And, and between them, there is probably a middle road that is best suited to the situation, but... Yeah, we'll he's, see. Yeah, he's, he's more Picard than Kirk, I think. Uh, yeah, and we get and we get Vadrash mentioned, which is a link to the Calypso episode. So I th- I'm slightly hopeful that we'll get a Calypso um, link in with this season as well. Hopefully, That's, I uh, think mo- most most of the um, short tracks have now kind of been kind of Adr- addressed. Up, so yeah, I mean, all, it's but the, all but the Calypso, mm-hmm. Reno and Stamets is double act. Oh, um, love it. So much. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's all right, but Reno pissed me off earlier in the episode by uh, like our our Gene getting a uh, um, dismissive towards him, and I do feel like the Reno and Stamets thing is going to be good, but I feel like it's being forced upon us a little bit, and I didn't like, uh, and I, I found it odd that Reno, uh, as soon as they come out of the wormhole, she just goes on about her bad back. Like I know what she's trying to do; she's trying to diffuse tension. Mm. But it's like, no, why are you saying that there, you fucking nutter? Well, to and be fair, it's also they're, setting, they're setting that up for the plot point later, whereby she also probably shouldn't really be doing what she's doing, and she is also certainly not fit to do what it is that Stamets is intending to do. I mean, that, yeah, that, I know, that, but it just like seemed a bit weird, and right, right through the wormhole, and everybody's shit's happening. That you know, and she's on about a bad back. It's weird. The, 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 sorry. That's, sorry. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say that bit with Stamets and Reno in the Jeffries tube. I know they're both unfit, yeah. right? But why are they sending? Why is Stamets volunteering to go in there when he could send? Because he has no pain. He's, he's trying to man it up, and he's trying to be yeah. old man. I know he but, might be manning it up, but no, even, uh, they should be able to send an able-bodied person in there to be able to do it. Because all it is is just taking out two pieces of if it, thing. If it was that important, back. why did they have somebody that was fit doing it? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, ar- arguably, the fact that it was the last relay that needed done, I was like, okay, that's a step too far. Like, clearly that's just, like, plot. Yes, you fixed yeah, but, the but, And also, it was a piece of piss. Anyone could do that. Oh, precisely. And it looked like a serial cable, which even we don't use at work anymore. We use some pretty archaic kick. Um, <clears throat> but don't we use them. Probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> got them at school. There was a... But yeah, I think so. The the thing that was quite interesting was when uh, Tilly and Saru are having a conversation about how many other lives there are on Discovery. Obviously, there's eighty eight slash seventy four or whatever the figures are, but it's about the fact that they went down to such a skeleton crew before they did this. So I think the other thing we have to remember is that actually, for a giant ship that usually houses houses I don't know three hundred sixty four experiments or whatever it is to have like 88 people or 74 people yeah. trying to do anything is like a tiny, tiny amount. That's less than Voyager I, had and it had lost half its crew and it was tiny. I hope that we get to know some of those 88 because they've made the same uh, drastic decision to join like the, mm, the bridge yeah. crew in like going a thousand years in the future. It's not a simple decision. Well, that's so it'd be nice to get to know nice to get to know just a handful of them and not well, just that's what they're going to be doing there's there's two new characters being introduced later on in the season around their yeah but in. i don't think they're not are they part of the crew already i believe so and that we just haven't seen them um, yeah 
We'll see. Yeah. Nothing we... like a mysterious crewman who well, we've never seen before. I, well, I was going to say in this in this episode, there's really three three sort of um, you know plots or storylines. We've touched on two, which is obviously Tilly and Siri and uh, Jojo going to um, the, the place on the planet. Um, there's the Stamets and uh, Jet Reno. Um, He's nailing all these names now, isn't he? Storyline. Um, Storyline. <laughs> and then obviously you've got the the, 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 the the ensemble piece, which is the ship, you know, trying yeah. to get that up. So all these things going together. Obviously, it's great. It's great writing. It's, you know, not the most uh, technical writing, but it doesn't have to be because it's no. all about the characters. Parasitic Ice is fine. Like, I will take Parasitic Ice. Parasitic Ice is a great idea, and it's, uh, it's great. You know, yeah. it's very action-packed. It looks amazing. You know, when they take off, you know, and all that kind of thing. And I think... It, that's the beauty of it. You've got three plots, three simplish plots as well to follow to make the characters be able to breathe, um, and that's and why I think it was a true ensemble it. piece. Like, yeah. I think that's why so many people have enjoyed it so much is that it was so evocative of what we think of as traditional Trek ensemble pieces. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it was, I think, it was I think people get people get weary of having so much Burnham on, so it's nice to have a break from her occasionally. But, I've got to say, it was nice to see him at the end because he just was smiling and looking nice. Yeah. Um, no, I don't it's, mean. No, I just mean like. No, no, no. I know. Like, it's happy. another example looking of her happy. She looks happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she did. A joy life. thing. Do you know what it is though? I, I would like to talk to someone because when she like said like I've been there for a year, I was like, nah, nobody's hair grows that much in a year. Like, well, what is your secret? Like, so please, he, here, here is the interesting point because I have done some research on this because there has been a bit of a. Burnham's hair thing. Um, there are several people who have a more culturally um, relevant opinion on this in mind, because obviously I am not of African descent and do not have Afro hair. Um, but as they have pointed out, braids are not something you grow. Braids are a style yeah, choice. I was going to say, yeah, they are. They're, they're something that you put in your hair. Um, I, I, I have no hair, but I know that because I know people that have had it done. Um, I'm going to have a, I'm going to interject now with a, 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 another little segment, which is brand new listeners as well. After the um, <laughs> after the paper was so positive um, about last week's um, uh, 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 game uh, feces of the species, um, you know, I, I, I I'm pretty the, sure that's right from what you called it. Uh, well, I guess the, the the species of feces. It was so successful that I like to leave things with a success, then bring something else in. Uh, I'm, I'm the outstanding winner. Oh, you were, you were the winner. Yes, you take that away from that segment. I am the champion. <laughs> so I've come up with a new segment. It's called Fact Trek Yourself. Fact Trek Yourself. Fact Trek Yourself. So this is basically, I'm going to give three statements, um, you know, about me. Uh, and you guys come together and you have to pick which you think is the false statement it's a game that's been played before on, on Radio 4 or whatever but it's a nice game, it's one I always like, uh, so uh, these are my three statements, okay so I was a proper archery GB licensed archer and I loved I did love, I loved it, okay uh, and I did, loads of pra- I did loads of practice, about 2000 arrows a week uh, and I had trials the GB Olympics team because I, I did like proper smash it and that. But when I moved to York, so I learned all this in Thursk, um, I left due to posh cunts. Uh, my second one is I had a pint with Noel Gallagher. And the third one is, and it's my earliest vivid childhood memory, my slightly racist auntie, uh, we'll, we'll call her Karen, Auntie Karen, um, was babysitting for me 
uh, when I was about, it must have been about four, I can't remember, it's one of my first, literally first childhood memory. Uh, and through a laugh, I did a small but perfect pebble-like poo on the landing floor. Back to um, No, listen to me, it's okay. Uh, and, then, and, then, and then I put a little metal bin over it to hide this perfect plot. And then, and then I said, Auntie Karen, Auntie Karen, come upstairs, I've got a present for you. And she went, oh, that's nice. Where, where is it? I said, it's under that bin. And she went fucking mental. Because uh, there's a shit under a bin. How, how old were you? Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a vivid memory. And I, I, I think I'm saying four, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know how old you are when you're kidding. It's like, that's my first memory is that shit under a bin for me, Auntie, to tease Okay, so, so John is telling us that the archery thing is true. No, 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 no. no. The Gallagher thing is true. Yeah, that is true. Well, you've definitely met no Gallagher. Yeah, he's been. Yeah. He's always yeah, fucking talking about. The bin is the fake I'm going for. I don't know. I think the archery thing might have been exaggerated because I know he does archery, but he, I don't know that all that bullshit about Olympics. I, I don't believe that for a minute. Have a conversation with whatever John thinks was he knows him best. No, 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 no. But I think I don't know. I think that the the pebble poo might be the little like sort of deliberately put there to put us off so I, I'm I would go with Vin on this one I'm definitely thinking shit in a bin's fake okay I mean, let's yeah. go with that yeah go on I don't, I don't want to risk the archery thing so yeah we'll put all blame on Vin if it goes wrong but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well John you would have been right uh, uh, yes, I was at Archery GB license, and yes, I did loosen probably about a thousand arrows a week, and I was quite you good. Said two thousand. I know exactly, but I was only about a thousand probably yeah, uh, a week, uh, and I loved it. And I, but I did leave because of posh guns, but I never had trials for GB England, mm. so you were wrong. So anyway, I was so you shared with us that your earliest memory is in fact. Yeah, it's on the, the floor, yeah, and then was, presenting it as a present to someone. It was like a, just a tiny, I did a tiny little shit on landing. A literal shit show again. <laughs> Put a bin over it. And the carrot, you know, whatever. I'm calling her carrot because she's a bit racist. Come up here. Why do you keep mentioning the bit about her being racist without actually. Because fuck her, it was funny. You know, if she'd been nice, Anthony, then it would have been a horrible trick to play. But because she's a bit racist, but if it don't you matter. were really four, I'm not really sure that that was the decision making behind that. Like, no, I think mm. I think the decision making is like, should I tell this story uh, <laughs> based upon the fact that it's like slightly racist, Anthony? I will I will raise that. <laughs> okay, uh, well, that was exciting. So, do, is this something we now all get a shot at? Yeah. So next week it'll be someone else. Someone else will be doing this next week, uh, and then we'll have to guess it again. But unfortunately, this week you were wrong, guys. I'm afraid. Um, anyway, let's move on. I'll be the black alert, everybody. Quick fire, quick fire, quick fire. Uh, I'm going to come to you first, Andrea. Have you got any more notes left in the tank? I think we've covered everything. Um, like I said at the start, it was just, I really enjoyed the episode, but like I didn't make like normally I make loads of notes, like pages of notes, but I just sat and watched it again and enjoyed it. So I, I haven't um, I haven't got um, an essay today. Cool. No problem, John. Yeah, one thing that annoyed me particularly is uh, when Saru uh, and the disco gets stuck in the tractor beam. And uh, and I don't remember the name of the guy. Uh, he says, "What should we do?" And then we get the fucking thirty seconds of like, mm, and then we'll flash to his reaction to that reaction, and it takes like about thirty little fucking seconds to decide 
Uh, yeah, we won't shoot them or anything. We'll, Did we'll I not make that them. point earlier? Yeah, I know, but it's, it's the cuts. It was the directorial bit of having it like, just, it that, went reaction, on for too long. that reaction. That reaction. It was like, yeah, we've got to wait a minute and a half. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll make that decision bigger than it ought to be. It's just like, fuck off. Hey, guess guess who? I think, I think Jonathan Frakes is directing next week. I think. I know he's yeah. definitely directing some. Um, yeah, he is next week. Any more, John? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I do like the fact that Burnham's smiling at the end. Yes. Maybe sim- symptom- symptomatic of her being a fuller, more expressive character this season. And I'm all for that. Well, she's been having a bit of books, so no wonder she's happy. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay, have you got any more notes left in you? Um, only a couple of little things. Uh, so, one, there has been extensive conversation about whether uh, the white of the Discovery medical uniforms is some kind of magical space future white that like automatically repels dirt. Which clearly it is not. Do you know As... what? We've got that technology now. We can you can make you can make clothes that repel dirt. I know, and yet they look we shoot them in white, and then they got really <laughs> bloody and slightly gross quite quickly. Somebody did suggest that that was because like it is now all like managed by the central computer hub, which was down. So therefore, the automatic refresh of their white uniforms didn't happen. I don't know. Maybe they need to walk through like a special walkway to be like degaussed. <laughs> And they could do that because everything was there. I don't really know. Um, but yes, so the magical, mystical space white is not as useful as it might be. Um, there is a little bit of me that is slightly concerned, particularly... And I think this was just a choice of how they framed her at Burnham in the, the view screen window. But I am a little... There's a little bit of me that is terrified that there is going to be a bump or a baby... <laughs> Because there is this thing about leaving somebody alone for a year, especially with an attractive. I mean, mean, to be fair, I've been in isolation for what eight or nine months, and I've not, I've not got pregnant once. I've grown a bump. I've grown a bump. I did develop a massive gut, but (laughs) (laughs) you weren't living with food. Let's face it. I just shit it. I just shit it out, and I don't know whether there's a baby in there. And then call your auntie, Karen. Yeah, so I think there, there's a tiny little bit of me that is slightly scared about that. Um, and the other thing was she was like, hey, I've waited all this time. And I'm like, we have relatively recently been speaking to people who have been doing things for like 36 years, like before they got to see anybody. And like a year, like in the scheme of things, does not perhaps feel as long. Well, I think you might have, if she'd expected them to be right behind her. That might have been. I mean, she doesn't know whether it was a year or a thousand years. That weight might be slightly emphasised for her. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I'm excited to see what happens next. <laughs> I'm a bit worried actually. When you've said that, it's like because obviously they said like, oh, it's like guys like mates who've turned up in a really big ship. Um, I really don't want Michael Burnham to have single-handedly rebuilt the Federation in 12 months either. No. Um, no. Like you defeat a lot of plot points <clears throat> if that happened, but you never know. Yeah. You don't. And again, we we don't really know whether... I'm hoping that the overarching arc is not about them getting back to their own time. Like, I hope it's about 
rebuilding the Federation and maybe I think that's what doing something. I think I think that's what yeah. Kurtzman's yeah. basically said that they're not going to go back the camp. No, but there's no point in going back because it just fuck everything up and they have to go back to looking at Canon and all that nonsense again. Where now it's but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they manage that because obviously as a group they it might take them time to come to the realization that that's definitely not going to happen or whether they just go well we did that once we could rebuild because. There's nothing to stop them rebuilding this, the the Red Angel suit. They have the stuff for it. Mm. Well, I mean, we I get, need to get I, a, a time crystal, but they know where those are, and they might still be there in the future. We don't really know. I get the idea that time travel is quite well accepted in the 32nd century. I mean, Zara or Zara, whatever the fuck, Sarah, the this, the guy with the space spurs, yeah. he, he was like quite quick, so that's what time travel looks like. So I think it's a very well-established thing at that point. Yeah, but like um, even yeah. even in our standard timelines, people are like, "Ooh, chroniton particles! It must be space like time travel." Like, also, yeah, I know. Also. Yeah. Have you got yeah. much more left, Linz? Uh, no, I think those are the big things. Cool. Well, I tell you what, um, I feel like I'm feeling a bit cold in space, and we've been in uh, Andrea's uh, basement as well. So I think we should beam down to Sucky's house and get warmed by his fire. Hello there. It's Sochi here from Wolverhampton. Yeah, I do the podcast and that, don't I? I'm getting on a bit of age, so I'm going to have a sit down by my open fire. I tell you what, there's now that warms the bones right through. Like an open fire. So I invite you all now to beam down with me to my open fire. Get your bones warmed right through. I'll tell you some tales, and you can you can sucky on this. Oh, this is lovely. Thanks for letting you in your house. Got a yes. grand fire oh. on there. It's lovely. I tell I've you what, I've changed all my furniture since the last time we was well, in. Well, you, you should have, have white carpets white, have had to be cleaned. Yeah, we, the walls have been scrubbed. Yeah, it should all be like you know, like a beige or white colour, because I'm covered in shit all the time. You know what I'm like about shit. I love it. I know we blended in with the background, but I didn't want it on the walls anyway. So. <laughs> I'm like a monkey in a cage. Uh, so uh, it's okay. Give, uh, give us your final final comments and thoughts. I like the fact that Rachel Antrell uh, as Commander Nine has now been added to the credits. Right, so I have a feeling that out of they've got the four or five main cast, which is like Doug Jones, Anthony Rapp, Mary Wiseman, Sonika Martin Jones, uh, Green, Green. Yeah. They're all they're all going to be added every episode, even if they don't appear in it, and then everybody else. When they appear in the oh, yeah, episode, cool. we'll get their thing. So, like Wilson Green, was it Wilson Green and uh, Rachel Cruz, and Rachel uh, Attrell were added Rachel to this Green? episode. Rachel Green, should we say? <laughs> <laughs> and Davy Arla was taken off of this episode. Well, yeah, so she's she's now a regular. Uh, I like uh, Renell's chair as she was walking oh, around. Yeah. It was an actual chair. It's a, a tool box. Yeah. Yeah, it was a toolbox just to help her. So she's using that as a makeshift wheelchair. Did anybody thing. else think of Davros? <laughs> no, don't we check Reno, bless her. No, I know, but I just I kind of expected her to like shut the sides back around her and then she'd have had a little Davros thing going I on. I mean, to be fair, I think Davros would have been just as dismissive to Jane. <laughs> I am. Uh, <laughs> I know we've already talked about it, but I do love the fact that Saru took Tilly instead of anybody else with him, and the fact that she's, she she wakes a wonderful first impression 
in yeah. a first contact situation. And that's great for Tilly's characters, great for Saru trusting his crew and knowing how who to bring to certain situations, even though he doesn't know exactly what's on the planet, as John says, but he'd rather take her rather than the security officer. Also, uh, that probably wouldn't have happened had Michael been on board because she would have had to get involved in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is why it's good everyone coming together for the, you know, to to make, you know, for the solutions. Go on, I do like the fact uh, uh, again. I do like uh, we've already mentioned it. It's Stamets and Corbett's uh, re- relationship, right? And that's also highlighted where Corbett will not let him do anything until he uh, pr- uh, finishes his whole sentence, but has to recite the the uh, all, all the words. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, he has to spell, um, yeah. I, I got put in a coma and all I got with the, from yeah. my boyfriend was his crummy T-shirt or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And then he gets it wrong because he didn't put the hyphen in the T-shirt. He must have got everything else right. But uh, like, I kind of, like, I, I love that, that, that level of banter between them and that back and forth, because, like, you know that Culber is like, clearly you're not fit to be doing anything, but I know I'm not going to win this argument, so I'm kind of negotiating with you. And he's kind of like, right, okay, so clearly you're going to go and do stuff. Didn't expect you to climb into fucking Jeffrey's tube and do shit, because that was clearly a bad idea. I, I like the level of pedantry about the hyphen and T-shirt. I th- yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You got everything else right. Sucky, any more? Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the exchange that we had with Giorgio... Uh, Narn and Tilly when Saru decides he's going to uh, take uh, Tilly with him and it's Narn that goes her and then yeah. realises she said it out loud turns to her to her Tilly and mouths sorry to her right? and I think that just brings out uh, a certain characteristic with uh, Narn's character uh, the other thing is the opening scene of the episode you do see them all with their eyes open lying around you just think immediately think has something happened once I've got into the future mm. and they've killed off half the crew, even though you've seen the trailers and stuff like that, or is this going to be like a flash forward to something that's happened and then they're going to go back to uh, how it happened? But you just, I, see, I think the, the thing is that that's, yeah, that stood out to me as well. I think that um, it might have been a bit of a fake out just to sort of, oh, Detmers and Owo are dead, but mm. they're not because they're all right. Or it might be something physiological that happens when you go through a wormhole because they were getting tidal waves of time and shit. And so, yeah. My little angsty medical loving heart would quite like about three or four episodes down for there suddenly to start being like this massive like biological fallout from whatever mm. happened when they did this massive time travel. Because this is pretty massive they don't have a, they, don't have a, they don't have a suit. Yeah, they? so I, I would like th- that I would quite enjoy it. And then we could have like a little medical adventure to try and solve that. That would yeah. be nice. Unfortunately, because Michael was not exposed, clearly she would be a massive driver in this. Um, so it would probably be Michael-centric, but I would get medical angsty happy stuff, which would make me happy. <laughs> so. Okay. And the only other thing is, is how does Z- Zara know that there's 72 crew members before Tilly uh, corrects him to say there's 80? Scan, scan him, Yeah, because they've well, got they like, no shields or anything. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's also scanned everything else, the wormhole. Yeah, but then that. he would have he picked up the other... Well, maybe, 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 maybe there, could be, there, could be, there could be a rationale about that. They might be control. Do you see? Oh, it's well, something no, else. The, the implication was that they were they were the ones that were injured. <sighs> yeah, that's why Tilly mentioned. Well, it, we we count the injured ones as well. He was yeah, saying so fully why, able. Yeah. So why why does Zara uh, 
not now that some of the crew are, um, he wouldn't have known some of the crew were injured he'd have just got well, yeah, 88 might, crew members yeah but he might have gone you've got 88 functioning crew members uh, or like 70 whatever functioning crew members and this collection of people who are clearly not up for much hard labour so therefore I don't really care about them or maybe it doesn't pick up aliens we don't know do we we don't know it could be a plot point it could just be they're uh, in the future they have future scanners that tell you future stuff anyway is everything okay yes my wife's just coming she's about to give me some food she wants you all of you all of you out please (laughs) she wants what she wants all of you out out come on on. get more thank you go away Please, all of you, get out. I want to eat my food. <laughs> We've beamed up already. You're fucking going to see now. Can you not see that we're back on the ship? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Shit, what's so... the food behind? <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> it's time for Lights Out with Five. How many lights you see? Four lights! I asked how many lights you see. Give me your Lights Out with Five. Sucky! Four, out of... four lights out of five. I think it's a really, really good, strong episode. There's a couple of plot points that aren't explained yet, but I'm just going to give... Actually, no, I'm going to give four and a half out of five. Four, four and a half out of five. Wrong again, Sookie. Uh, Andrea? Um, I'm going to give it four and a half. Um, yeah, I liked last week's. I liked this week a lot, but for different reasons. And it yeah. felt like one of those Star Trek episodes that you could probably just sit and watch out of sequence, which I think is quite a... It's a little bit of a novelty like no, because I, I think everything kind yeah. of follows that arc. But it, it seems like you could almost watch it as a standalone episode, which I thought was yeah. quite nice. So I, I'm going for four and a half. Four and a half, you, uh, Lindsay. I too, I'm going to go with four and a half. Um, I absolutely adored the plot lines, and the other one was quite interesting. But four and a half, because yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough, John. Uh, last week I gave it four and a half, and uh, I, I regret that now because this is as good. But I don't want to. I don't want them all to be four and a half out of five all the time. <laughs> so I, I, I'm tempted to say, but you know, it is as good as last week's, just for different for a different reasons. Reason, so yeah. four and a half for me. Um, uh, if you'd asked me on obviously first watch, like I said, it was the best static episode ever. Uh, I think I've come down from it, like I say, but it's still brilliant, and I think I'll join you all on a full house of uh, 4.5 anyway enough for what we think uh, let's find out what you think it's listeners feedback listeners feedback. we've gibbered on long enough so let's find out what you think in listeners feedback first of all the lovely Matt Cochran um, he says I'll let you know once I've finished watching Borat subsequent movie film oh I look forward to them thoughts uh, uh, Lindsay um, so I have Jack McMorrow well I was disappointed something called Far From Home featured so little Spider-Man but I thought this was a good companion piece to last week's Michael Only show got to think Sonequa loved that after last week she only had to work a day to get her part of FFH done um, I was disappointed there wasn't more of Detmer's story after it was built up in the, the teaser, but maybe that's just me. Plus, there's still a whole season to do it. Once again, four basement lorkas out of five. I hear he likes bird's eye fish fingers. Where's he getting his inside knowledge from? Is that true? 
Um, it does sound like the type of fairy would be fed in this establishment, yes. Yeah, exactly. no, it's Fender's Crispy Pancakes. Not wrong with that. <laughs> Tea of champions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> John. Mark Atkinson says, overall I thought this was a very strong episode. I think I prefer it the show without Burnham in it. It certainly looks amazing, beautifully directed with so wonderful visuals. It's a little overly cliched in places, mainly when Jojo's on screen. Blimey, she's a terrible actress mm. character. But it kept me intrigued throughout. It's an 8 out of 10 for me. So I'm that's four points. Slightly four, about that. Yeah, four, four lights out of five from Mark. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Andrea. So we've got Gary Russell, who says, a million times better than episode one. As Mark said, mainly due to the lack of Burnham, some great characters characters develop an eight out of ten. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Gary, I feel nice like there, from... is, there, there is like a little uh, a trend appearing here. Well, yeah, but it's what, kind what of... Sort, it's, what sort of trend? The, the Burnham <laughs> trend. But it's not, it's just because it's a nice ensemble piece. And we're used to oh, Burnham I agree entirely. Watching everything, like, but yeah, of course people are going to think that because it's kind of true. It's okay. <laughs> We've got Cliff and Ship Steep Dive. And he's put, okay, this felt like a sci-fi western with a pub brawl as well. A nice way to introduce our characters. Tilly was typical in her approach. And Saru was badass with his sideburn darts. Giorgio established she definitely enjoys a bit of slap and tickle, slap and tickle, <laughs> and as the SNM BH can kick ass, it felt less budget than the huge. It felt less budget than the huge epic opener, but that's to be expected. I'm really enjoying the Reno, Reno and Stamage chats as they bitch with each other. Couple of grimes would be why let the nasty cowboy just leave? He just killed your mate and threatened your family. At least strip him and push him out to freeze. And it was a little convenient. Burnham found them just before Ice Bacteria made a lolly out of them. Still loving it. Three and a half out of five. Got an extra uh, half half a mark for SNM. SNM, yeah. He loves that kind of shit, does Cliff. Thanks nice very much, Cliff. Don't forget to head over to Ship's Deep Dive. Uh, we'll find me and John there as well doing Lynch Bob yeah. as well. I've just done uh, an episode with Cliff. Which you have, it's very good. He really enjoyed it. Yeah, he said, said prosing uh, for prostitute as well, which I thought was brilliant. Um, and I'll, I'm not going to put any contacts behind that either, Sucky. But you just have to, people have to listen to it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, right, Joshua Dieball. Hey, up, Josh. Uh, absolutely no disappointment from me. Really enjoyed it. Uh, we've been treated to some amazing uh, Starship crashes over the years, but this was uh, this was a good one uh, to introduce the episode. Got to watch this one on a massive HD TV. Great. It's awesome, isn't it? At my sisters, uh, and to uh, and to appreciate the amazing uh, to well to appreciate the, the amazing visuals uh, quality of the visuals. Uh, now got a bigger and better TV. Me thinks, yeah, you should get a 4K. It's based. I love it. Uh, Lindsay. Um, so I have Bruce Wayne. So episode two, Far From Home. That's more like it. Whereas episode one felt like it threw out the anchor to help the show reset. Reset this week, it felt like that anchor has already been slipped and full acceleration pushed on the helm. Um, character interplay was great, along with pace and storyline. Kudos to the writers, especially Kurtzman, who has been sacked seven times a week, taken off creative control for the past three years, but still gets to help write and produce. With the desk clearing, I wonder he has time. I loved seeing the individual's characteristics, uh, fantastic and flawed, coming out, and how those affected the interactions of the group. It was beautiful to watch, especially between Saru and Giorgio when the former finally showed the truly the leader he is. Thanks to Reno coming aboard, her older outlook with dry and laconic delivery is just what was needed to set off against the more youthful exuberance of the queue. 
like a squeeze of lemon on a piece of salmon. The small addition makes the dish and zings the taste buds. All in all for me, it's up to 4.5 lights mm. and into warp. Joining us, Bruce. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Job? Is is this, is this Debs. Debs? Our Debs, eh? Our Debs says, there is so much to comment on, but I'm still stunned by your feces of the species feature. How nice to see the crew being able to shine. I was quite frustrated last season that potential character developments were missed. I loved the way the crew interacted and we saw them in their full awesomeness. In particular, Giorgio. It was great to be reminded that she's Mirror. She's not Starfleet. That Section 31 gave her a job is still ridiculous. What I really mean is I still don't forgive Michael for saving her when she could have brought Lorca back. <laughs> Considering we saw Giorgio's mirrorness, I loved how Saru stood up to her, but also that Giorgio was that unpredictable and still is a loose cannon. All the characters shine. I could mention them all, but Lindsay would give me a hard step typing too much. Bit confused at the end when they go bonkers at seeing Michael. I mean, it was nice, but as Saru about to say, you look, you look fucking old. Really hot? Pregnant? Apparently, it was because her hair was long. But Michael's hair has changed loads. If anyone could find a set of hair extensions in the middle of a volcanic planet, then it would be Burnham. <laughs> I just don't know why the big reaction... Although I did sit behind Princess Anne once and I was completely fascinated by her hair bun. It looked solid. Must shut up now. I can sense Lindsay's hard stare. Uh, Thank you, Deb. So so posh, so posh. Finally, uh, Andrea. Um, So Mark Cockrum has clearly finished watching Borat, which I highly recommend to people um, who have a certain sense of humour. And he says, I enjoyed that. It had that indefinable trekness about it. It was good to see the Disco crew again. The mission to get the Rubidium felt like old school Trek. I really enjoyed the character moments as they were getting the ship back online, particularly the relationship between Reno and Stamets. Each successive season of Discovery seems to get closer to what I was hoping for when it was originally launched. And it's great to hear you guys again. I've missed the banter. Four lights out of five. Thanks, Mark. And thank you, everybody, indeed. Keep it up. We love hearing from you. Um, and obviously, we'll be watching the next episode of Discovery uh, next week and reviewing it. Um, but anyway, it's time for um, voting for this week's Red Shirt. I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Oh, red shirt time. It's going to be interesting this week. I'm don't going to come to Sucky, Sucky first. You come to me, but I can't think of anybody to actually go for because it's been a quite decent episode. Nobody's really upset hey, about anything. Hey, Sucky, you're yes, an old John. bastard and I fucking hate you. And you've got a stupid face. <laughs> well, I'm going to give for Bob go, again. Mate. Then. <laughs> right, Bob. <laughs> right, there you go. Thank you. I know, because John doesn't mean any of that. Yeah, that's I right. I, I tried. Yeah, I was just providing you some evidence. He sounded yeah. genuine for first yeah. half that statement. No, it didn't sound like genuine at all. It was all no. fake. No, it wasn't. No. So it's going to be Bob again. Sorry. Oh, well, fuck you, Sucky. Um, what, Lindsay, for, what for, though? What, what for? for? Yeah, what for, actually, Bellend? What for? Oh, that's fine. You criticised my decor when you beamed down into my room. So there you go. I did not. You did. Well, criticising through the medium of feces. Yeah. In well, some parts go. of the world, that's a compliment. Lindsay. Also, you didn't pay for the cleaning. Thankfully, not this last week. Um, <laughs> I. It would be very easy to vote for Bob because I feel like Bob kind of wants us to vote for him. Um, so I'm going to choose to go instead for John oh, for not yeah. thinking that sci-fi should have 
psychological elements. You what? <laughs> and generally have human interactions and things that are not just about spacey wormholes. Oh well, that's so. That's but John. That's me and you on one each. Uh, John, who's yours? Well, I was going to pick Sucky because his wife got a lot of food and didn't give us any. Yeah. I... But Lindsay's fucking putting words in my mouth again so she can <laughs> fucking be red shirt. Oh, awesome. So we're back to some sort of normality. One yeah. for me, one for John, one for Lindsay. Andrea? I was going to vote for Bob just because it's easy, really. You can always find a reason to vote for Bob. But Thanks, I've got to be honest and say, I don't know what is behind John on his screen. <laughs> it's like... It looks like an alarming, like, fanged vagina, and I found it very dis- distracting throughout the... I the- thought you'd have liked that, but, Vin. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go with, like, John's what? fanged vagina. What exactly is it? Is that a fly trap? Or... It's a fly trap, yeah. Yeah. It looks like One a vagina. It's like a vag. I mean, it doesn't look like any vagina I've seen. I have to, be, I have to be honest so, about that. Have you seen oh. teeth? You need to watch teeth. teeth. I don't want to. Oh. No, I don't want to. I've seen a picture. I don't want to see that. Right. <laughs> so, 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 I'm on one. John's on two. Lindsay's on one. Do you know what? I can't vote for any of you because. No, um, no, 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 no. You can't this, do this. You. This is the game. This. You have to play the game. Because, of your patience and being genuinely Bulls. awesome people, for putting up with me and my nonsense and coward, coward. trying to do all this kind of thing. Um, but Where's your balls, you Bob? Where's your John, balls? I'm going to vote for John because he's fucking nice, dickhead. I'll be going for that. Nice. Fucking mouthpiece. Perfect. Right. <laughs> so there we go. So, John, you're fucking three. How are we going to kill nice. you? He's going to be eaten by the fine <laughs> vagina. Starting at the penis yeah. and working it. To be fair, it's been that long. I just said, said accept that as yeah, a plus. Yeah, you'd take anything, wouldn't you, right now? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. so, John, you're this week's red shirt death cool. by... Pinky vagina. Accepted. Thanks very much for listening listening to us. Uh, it's been a lovely, I've had a lovely time like normal. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for being so fucking wonderful. Due to the popularity, though, of uh, the game show, um, no, Guess the no, Feces of the Species. No. Uh, I, what? No, don't Why? do it. Well, no, I see so where pop- you're going with this. Go on. It was so popular, I thought we'd end on Guess no! the Feces. No, 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 no. Fuck! Oh, I don't care. Yeah. Oh, right. All right. Well, anyway, here oh. it is. Here it is. Oh no! Oh. Guess the species of the feces. Oh, guess the feces of. Hello. Where? Where have you all? Where have you all? Where, where have you all gone? Bastards have left me. Fucking great game that, and it was also a human poo. And it was that one I kept when I tripped my auntie Karen because I was so proud of that punk, that prank. Anyway, thanks for listening.